weekly podcast of Science and the City, the public gateway to the New York Academy of Sciences, online at scienceandthecity.org. Today is Friday, January 4th, 2008. I'm Leslie Taylor. Andrea Ely is the chairman of Ely Cafe and co-author and publisher of Espresso Coffee, The Chemistry of Quality. Trained in chemistry, Ely started in his family's business as a quality control supervisor and became an expert in the scientific and technological aspects of coffee, from agronomy to product processing to roasting and grinding and to packaging and percolating techniques. He is currently president of the Association Scientifique Internationale du Café in Paris and the International Colloquium on the Science of Coffee in Trieste, Italy. In this lecture, recorded December 6th at the New York Academy of Sciences, at the inaugural event of the Science and the City Food Series, Ely discusses the chemistry and technology that produce a great cup of coffee. Coffee. Unfortunately, we don't have the, la- the luck and the chance to have a finished product, like a wine that you just open a bottle and you pour. Of course, you have to take in consideration many factors in wine, but definitely extracting or preparing one coffee, in particularly when we speak about espresso, is tough. And this is the reason why in 2003, after 70 years of uh, Illy Cafe history, we made a big decision to change the focus from the best coffee to the best cup. And in order to pursue the best cup, we decided to uh, literally attack the three uh, main uh, contributors to the quality of the final cup, which are the knowledge of uh, the people preparing, no matter if they are professional or uh, Uh, coffee lovers, the technology of the preparation, that means that we do uh, design and conceive uh, coffee equipment and uh, preparation systems with many patents and a lot of innovation. This is the engineering side, which is very uh, developed in Ely Cafe as well, both chemical uh, engineering for some products, um, mechanical and electronic for the coffee equipment. But also, in order to complete the uh, quality perception, we are uh, pursuing the idea of the polysensorial experience. So as I said, love love for beauty and well done. Well done is the quality. The quality is the quality of the coffee, and beauty should surround it. Our product, which is, of course, the core of anything, because it's what uh, you are enjoying, is uh, a 100% uh, Arabica blend is a blend because we strongly believe that uh, through a blend we can have a better quality because we can uh, get all the positive qualities of the different coffees, which we will see later on. Um, some coffees are more chocolate flavored, some others are more flowery, some others are more fruity, some more are acidic, some more are more bitter. By blending, it's like having a nice orchestra. And the number of blends number of uh, uh, ingredients of the recipe is designed in order to have as a broad possible spectrum of aromas, balance in uh, the taste, and 100% consistency over time. In order to get consistency, we did develop uh, uh, this kind of double selection. One of uh, this selection is of course the raw beans, the single uh, coffee lots, with a system we will see in the next chart. But what is most important that in, uh, over in, in the past we developed, my father is also a chemist, so with his team developed the technology of uh, electronic sorting of the beans. It can be defective beans out of the crop for many reasons. They can be mature, they can be rotten, they can be uh, contaminated by molds or whatever. And the majority of time, these defective beans carry also off flavors. And because one espresso is made of 50 beans, it is really concentrating flavor, as we will see later on. One bean can destroy at least one espresso, if not more. So in order to uh, uh, circumvent this problem, this problem, in the 70s, the idea was, let's try to uh, electronically sort these beans. So... And uh, the result has been, after many years of research, the characterization of the good beans and the bad one, and finding at least two wave lengths, which are now three, one in the red, one in the, 
in the green and now there is the third one in the near infrared and enlightening every single beam passing through this electronic sorting machine and uh, in order to check whether the reflected light by the beam falls into the standard or not and if it doesn't fall into the standard to reject so there is this machine which is in the picture but basically, there is an optical chamber. Uh, there are more than one ton of uh, coffee passing through this nine channels that each machine has. And every single bean is enlightened. If there is a mistake, uh, a, a defective bean, there is a uh, small air compressor, uh, air compressed jet deviating from the uh, trajectory and uh, uh, expelling it. In order to get uh, the best bean, one of the last uh, challenges in the last 15 years has been to develop our direct uh, um, supply chain. It's a, what I, call, I like to call uh, the ILI sourcing method. It is a three-step approach. Of course, in order to get the best possible quality, you have a better time to work directly with the growers. And uh, so the first step, to select the growers to work with us, to motivate them, and this as far as possible, we do it through a system of uh, awards. So, for instance, in Brazil, this is uh, every year an award where the, the, the best grower of the country, if they participate to the award, of course, the contest, of course, he gets a $30,000 award and, of course, a lot of recognition. And then we uh, duplicated this award in other countries as well, particularly in Colombia and in India. Second step is transferring the knowledge to the grower how to get the quality we are looking for. We came uh, over time uh, into the definition of uh, an ILI standard, which is above the best possible uh, market standard, both in terms of um, the way we characterize the standard, which is mostly driven by the quality of the cup, not the visible uh, aspect of the, of the, of the beans, and um, also in terms of number of defects. The grower need a lot of knowledge, uh, particularly in what concern uh, managing the crop, because they are making very frequently mistakes, uh, which damage a very high potential quality uh, from, from the plant. Uh, this know-how transfers, as we will see, is made uh, through the University of Coffee. Third, Last step, once this motivation to grow, uh, to work with us and this knowledge have delivered the expected result, and it doesn't happen all the time, but we hope it happens all the time, once the result is a wonderful coffee lot in terms of quality, we buy directly from the hand of the grower with the advantage that we can pay a premium price to them in order to motivate and reward them because, of course, quality can cost more. Reward leave them a margin and motivate them to come back and keep working with us even the, uh, over time. Uh, even for those who are not successful in selling the coffee to us, there is a feedback. We explain we didn't buy because your coffee lot was defective and this was the cause of your defect, blah, 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 and they can, and they can learn. Uh, University of Coffee was um, established in 2003 when, as I said, we decided to enlarge our strategic scope in order to uh, educate uh, or train uh, the coffee growers, one side. This is the first department, as I described. So there are two um, branches of the University of Coffee, one in Brazil and one in India. And in the rest of the 12 other countries where we source coffee from, there is a team of agronomists and a technician traveling all year long uh, scouting for new high-quality potential regions and training the growers and developing uh, uh, quality improvement programs. Sometimes we are lucky that we can team up with an institution for these uh, programs. For instance, in Ethiopia, which is well known for the high-quality coffee, it happens that the high-quality coffee of Ethiopia is just one-third of the total production. And another third is consumed internally. So there is an, a, la, a last third which could be much higher quality but is not. And it is not because of very poor um, processing practices. 
so we did develop uh, a technique um, which uh, I mean also includes a kit of uh, small and very 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 uh, accessible and uh, convenient uh, equipment which should be used by maybe kind of uh, team of growers and um, we the let's say financed with uh, the common fund of commodity and also the uh, Ethiopian government a program in order to teach to a larger and larger community of coffee growers to shift from the old poor agronomical practice to the new one and of course dramatically increase the level of quality of the coffee and get uh, a better better quality and better value Okay, all this knowledge and all this focus for quality is, of course, the result of a lot of research, and this is the reason why uh, I'm a chemist and second generation of chemists. My grandfather was a terrific uh, uh, inventor himself. By the way, um, Ely is a very innovative company because out of nine uh, uh, radical innovation in the coffee sector last uh, century, so one radical innovation every 12 years. Three came out by, uh, by Ely, and we hope uh, we will do more in the future. Um, and all the innovation is, of course, uh, driven by quality and scientific research. So the idea is where is the gap that we can fill, with which kind of knowledge, objectivizing the knowledge through uh, uh, basic research, and then... Uh, developing the uh, improvement either by the so-called product care approach, which is continuous improving the practices, or by totally renovating uh, with new technology. Our research and development see us in partnership with many, many institutions, both in the growing countries and in uh, Western universities. And ourselves, we do have a uh, uh, four labs, uh, one specialized in the aroma lab, so we do uh, uh, have a sophisticated lab with a gas chromatography and um, high-pressure liquid chromatography, s separating all the 1,000 coffee flavors, which uh, helped us uh, characterizing both the green coffee, selecting the best cultivar for our coffee, and Whatever, uh, whatever else, uh, the, for instance, uh, distinguishing the impact of the agronomical practices on the same coffee, dependently on how you process. Uh, also improving, of course, the industrial part of the roasting and packaging. And finally, also designing the coffee equipment upon uh, the optimal uh, aroma profile. Second lab is the sensory lab, which basically uh, counterbalances the chemical one in the aroma lab with the sensory, because basically uh, we perceive uh, through our senses, and it's what eventually the consumer uh, appreciates. So it's very important to create uh, the, the bridge between the sensorial perception and the uh, chemical one. Then there is the bio lab, uh, characterizing uh, the green coffee, uh, as I said, for the uh, discovery of the best cultivar to be recommended to the coffee growers, and uh, also uh, improving the agronomical practice. And Tech Lab is basically the engineering side in product development. Of course, quality assurance as well. So let's go to the real protagonist of the evening, which is, uh, which is coffee. Coffee is, uh, has at least uh, 500 years history. It is um, uh, growing wild in, uh, in the Ethiopian forest, which I had the chance to visit myself. So you see it's a great emotion to go in the wild forest where you can even walk and find tiny plants of uh, completely wild coffee. And this is the only place where you can get them. And apparently, uh, these wild plants were discovered by some... There are many legends. So this, what you have seen, what you can see in this chart are basically legends about uh, how coffee as a product to be consumed was discovered. What we know better is that um, from Ethiopia, he went to Yemen. 
and then from Yemen he went to Sri Lanka and then from Sri Lanka he went to Java and then the, the, it, it was the, the Dutch uh, navigational company which made this uh, uh, let's say relocation from uh, India to uh, to Java, and then they brought uh, some beans uh, uh, to Holland. And they made a, a collect a collection of uh, of, uh, of seeds, and from there they went to the uh, Caribbean and finally to South uh, South America. Uh, in uh, 30 years later, in terms of consumption. Uh, the path was from Yemen uh, to the rest of the uh, Arabian Peninsula, and then it came uh, uh, around uh, 1,500 in Constantinopolis, so Istanbul today. And there, from there, the Turkish brought with them the coffee to Europe. And it is basically quite at the same time where uh, coffee was discovered by the Venetians, and by uh, the in Vienna, and due to the fantastic qualities, the insp- inspiring organoleptic uh, characteristics of coffee, and also the mild uh, uh, stimulating effect of caffeine, those who discovered coffee, which were basically artists and literature men, immediately elected this product as the official beverage of culture. And they also erected the places of consumption, which are the cafes. So this is one of the reasons why, uh, with such a strong culture, uh, I would say both Italy and um, uh, Middle Europe influenced the rest of the Western world to coffee consumption around mid of uh, uh, the 17th century. Production. Nowadays, it's a big, uh, big production. Uh, we estimate that there are maybe one billion people on the planet consuming uh, coffee on a daily basis with a very high penetration. The total production last year was probably around 120 million bags, and one bag is 60 kilos. The country leading production is Brazil by far. It accounts for at least one-third of the total production. And recently there has been Vietnam. In terms of uh, uh, premium quality, Colombia is a good producer. It used to be the second, now is the third. And then there is uh, the rest of uh, Central America. So when you make Central America and South America, you account for at least two-thirds of the total world uh, production. In terms of consumption, in America, only... 59% 59% of the consumer regularly drink coffee. In Europe, it's much more. Usually in Europe, there are 80 to 85% of the citizens uh, uh, drinking coffee every day. Uh, you see that Scandinavia is incredibly high in consumption with more than 12 kilos. And um, Italy, as you see, is not a, an extremely high consuming country. But this is probably due also to the different preparation technique that we use, which are different from because we produce espresso or the mocha, which are basically small volume co- co- coffee as an elixir, as opposed as uh, filter coffee, which is a hot beverage. And in order to produce filter coffee, you use much more coffee per cup compared to espresso. Okay? So it might be that in terms of cups, we are maybe one of the largest consumers is Italians, I don't know. So which are uh, the physiological effects of coffee? There are two um, main uh, properties which uh, drive the physiological effects of coffee. The one is, of course, the well-known effects of caffeine, which you not necessarily should drink coffee in order to get caffeine. And the second is the highly powerful um, antioxidant of uh, property of coffee due to melanoidins. The uh, effect uh, of coffee are on in three main, let's say, area of our body. First of all, on the nervous system. Uh, as I described before, there are two mechanisms that we will see 
how uh, caffeine works. It is also thanks to the caffeine, a cardiovascular stimulant, and this is the reason why you should not overstimulate your cardiovascular system by drinking too much coffee. And also it's uh, diuretic. It's, uh, it's a great opportunity because until uh, maybe 15 years ago, the real um, impact of coffee on human health was controversial because there were some... Uh, uh, research maybe not very well done or some uh, also uh, dishonest research. There has been also some dishonest research uh, unfortunately uh, also sponsored by the tobacco industries in order to let uh, the people know, uh, think that uh, if maybe coffee is worse than tobacco or something like this. This is true. was a problem in the time. So, but since 15 years, it is clear now, with so many, so many scientific research from any possible institution, that there are vast majority of positive effects of uh, coffee on human health. Caffeine is broken down. The average uh, half life period is two hours, but not all individuals have the same reaction. Of course, the more uh, you get, in your single cup, the more you need in order to decrease the level of a caffeine in your blood. This is the reason why Italian, who very much is opposed to the common belief of some people that think that uh, espresso is stronger, it is stronger in flavor, in taste, in body, but not in caffeine. It is much, much lower in caffeine because an average espresso cup is about 40 milligrams of caffeine and an average filter coffee cup is around 120 so every time you drink a filter coffee cup is like having four espresso. Coffee bean, as I said before uh, two main uh, species cultivated at the beginning there were more than 80 species of coffee and uh, majority of them uh, all probably were uh, uh, with 22 chromosomes and this is the reason why Arabica with 44 uh, 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 which is deployed with 44 chromosomes we think that uh, it is uh, a natural crossing between uh, two different species of coffee but the result is positive because Robusta coffee is not exactly the description of high quality it contains uh, much less flavors majority of flavors are unpleasant because there is also one uh, flavor which gives the typical kind of uh, moldy uh, smell of Robusta coffee which is uh, 2-methyl uh, isoborneol which is a kind of uh, uh, molecule result of the degradation of some uh, fungus and it contains much more caffeine which is another Effect because we do have a kind of self-regulating uh, 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 physiological uh, behavior that if you drink uh, too much caffeine, you don't want more. So you, you will never seek uh, a cup of coffee if you have enough caffeine in your blood. Okay. And uh, so this is the reason why those countries who consume uh, more Arabica than Robusta, they have higher national per capita per, uh, consumption. It's a strange pattern, but it works. It works particularly in, in Germany, who used to be a 100% Arabica beans consumer, and then they shifted to a lot of Robusta because some uh, big industry were uh, able to uh, develop a technology by steaming the Robusta coffee eliminating this 2-methyl isoborneol, as I said, leaving a Robusta, which is not uh, uh, mean smelling bad, not very flavorful, but still with uh, twice as much the caffeine. So the quality was so-so, and the caffeine was very high. The consumption decreased in Germany for more than one decade. Incredible. Arabica is my... Uh, passion. Uh, if you, you can be sure that if you have an excellent coffee, it must be Arabica. 
if it if you have a poor coffee it can be uh, uh, also arabica if it is of course um, uh, uh, badly badly processed uh, in the growing countries arabica grows in the mountains is a more delicate plant because it doesn't uh, tolerate too much uh, uh, warmth too much heat it doesn't tolerate uh, frost so the big uh, problems in uh, coffee agriculture is uh, frost winter time this can destroy uh, plantation sometimes we have been we have had disasters which of course reflect in immediately uh, on a very strong impact on the coffee price and the other big risk is uh, the drought uh, drought of too 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 uh, warm uh, uh, weather, which uh, makes uh, the flower, coffee flower, abort. Okay, robusta, as the name says, is more robust, robust in taste, but also robust in terms of uh, plant. It resists to much uh, more uh, difficult condition, and this is the reason why it can could be cultivated also at much lower altitude and in more uh, rigorous conditions. Roasting, but before roasting, I will say something about blending. Yeah, once you have chosen the type uh, of the, the species of coffee you select, okay, there are two other big decisions. One, let's say the way the coffee is processed. There are two ways to process coffee. One is so-called natural or sun-dry. So in this case, the coffee, which is a, a cherry, very much similar to the one we eat, is laid down. Drying, drying on big patios, on big uh, concrete surfaces under the sun. This sort of course can happen in those countries where there are big flat surfaces and a lot of sun. doesn't rain while you are uh, processing your crop. Typically Brazil and some other African countries. This natural coffee is a little bit critical because uh, the, con the contact with, uh, of coffee with soil uh, facilitates a lot of mold contamination and also there can be fermentation it's, it's, it's tricky so recently uh, the best way to process this natural coffee which we strongly recommend in the growing countries and this is the project we are pursuing in, in Ethiopia is first the pulp so remove the pulp of the cherry and leave only the bean and let it dry the bean and in this case, not on the ground, but on some meshes in order to have the coffee breathe and receive air also from uh, uh, beneath. Uh, the second way, which is known particularly for the so-called gourmet coffee, are washed coffee. In this case, after pulping, like uh, I described now, the coffee is let fermented in big uh, containers, the fermentation might be or not inoculated. Usually there are enzymes in the air, or yeast. Okay, And um, after 24 to 36 hours of fermentation, it is washed in order to remove any possible residuals. It is interesting because in the case of, uh, in the, case of the so-called natural coffees, you have a higher... Uh, soluble solids contents. Why this? Because we have an osmosis process. The water, by evaporating, pushes okay, uh, the sugars of the coffee cherry pulp, which is very, very rich in sugar, into the coffee bean. And this is the reason why the natural processed coffee are rich in, uh, in body, which is particularly good for espresso, and uh, with flavors which are chocolate-like. Very much as opposed, washed coffee, thanks to fermentation, very much like in wine or in other fermented products, including tea, they develop fresh flavors, like fruity and flowery notes. Also, by losing what, uh, sugars, thanks to the osmosis, which goes the other side, because they are sinking into the water, and uh, they have less soluble solids, and also as a consequence of fermentation, they tend to be more acidic. Okay, and then, of course, you have the genetic of the plant, dependently on which is the cultivar, 
and there are many, many, many hybrids, many varieties planted in the world, mostly all uh, generated by two uh, original plants, three, sorry, which are the Arabica typica and the Arabica bourbon, which both are coming from Yemen. The rest of all the possible hybrids are either interbreeds between typica and bourbon or crossing with some local possible local hybrids like uh, uh, Hybrido de Timor, but usually they are also generated by the same plant. Some uh, of those hybrids are also crossed with a Robusta coffee, with sometimes with controversial quality in, uh, in the cup. So once you have chosen your specie, your, uh, the terroir, very much in, like in wine, is made by the crossing the cultivar and the region. Not all the coffee grow with the best, with the same condition and the same result in all areas. We personally experienced selecting some cultivar with the dis disastrous results in some areas and replanting the same plant in other uh, territories with wonderful results. So it's very complex. Roasting. We are entering into the factory, okay? Before roasting is blending, roasting is important because um, there are basically none of the flavors which are present in the cup present in the green bean, which is not true, for instance, for chocolate. If you go in a chocolate plantation and you open the cabos, I don't know how you say in English, you smell exactly the same flavor you will slam in the you will smell on in, in your uh, chocolate tablet. This is not true for coffee. Raw coffee, un unroasted green coffee, is awful. <laughs> it's very acidic, it's, it's green. So all the uh, aroma are formed during the roasting thanks to pyrolytic reaction. Pyrolytic is a reaction uh, generated by heat. The two big family are the so-called Maillard reaction from the name of the scientists who discovered them, and the Strecker reaction, which are, again, from the name of the scientists who discovered them, the, the two chemists. The Maillard reaction blend carbohydrates and uh, uh, sugars, creating a, a sort of moo, which are the so-called melanoidins. Is a, you know moo when you make the, the, the candy, moo's candy is, uh, again, uh, this very sweet and browning, uh, brown uh, uh, candies. Very similar what you have in the coffee as a result of roasting. And the Streckler reaction are the degradation of uh, some uh, polycyclic um, acids or components which are present in the coffee with sugars, generating aldates and fresh flavors. So it's critical. It's critical also to manage because the roasting process is divided in three phases. The very first phase is, is a total uh, drying of the coffee, so uh, reach uh, close to zero uh, free uh, water activity, the hydrating, but still not developing any flavor. Second stage is uh, really the roasting, and then you start uh, smelling and uh, hearing also the, the bean cracking. This is very much when the coffee starts uh, roasting. And this phase is exothermic. So if you don't control the process, you might burn the coffee or even make a big fire. This is the reason why uh, uh, quenching at the end of the process is very critical for stopping exactly the roasting at the right moment. Because if you don't quench, even after you cool down your coffee, it will continue to roast and browning over time, even day after. So. And you might end up with a coffee which is much more bitter compared to what you, what you wanted. Because the darker the roaster degree, the bitter the coffee. So here, there is a culture that uh, espresso coffee should be dark. There are two types of roast. Three type of roast here in the gourmet coffee culture, which are the French roast, the Italian roast, and the espresso roast, which are too dark. When you over roast the coffee, you kill the flavor. You 
have been producing during the roasting because they they volatile or they are degraded by heat. And on top of this, you generate more bitterness. So typically, when you smell the coffee like like a, a rubber or like charcoal and very bitter, this is a typical over roasted coffee. As a consumer, you can detect when the when the bean is too brown and when it's very oily on the surface. This is too too dark roasted. Uh, of course, during roasting, you have many other physical changes in the bean from the color. There is a big swelling and uh, so on. Here there is a graph which allows you to appreciate that theoretically speaking, you could roast in as low, as little as one and a half minutes. But if you use the so-called traditional roasting, you need 12. So maybe uh, this is really fast. So it's like popcorn. And the problem is that there are in coffee close to 10% weight uh, weight basis of the so-called chlorogenic acids, which is a family of polycyclic acids, smelling pharmaceuticals. So they must be totally degraded into flavors or, uh, let's say, gone, also in terms of volatilization. Otherwise, your coffee will smell metallic and, uh, uh, I mean, pharmaceutical. This is the reason why it's not recommendable for premium coffee to use the so-called high-yield roasting techniques. Here you have a couple of nice pictures. These are the picture of the honeycomb cellular structure of the green coffee bean before roasting. And here, after the roasting, you see when I speak about this moo, this uh, kind of melting of uh, sugar and proteins, it really gives the sense that uh, <laughs> something happened in terms of thermal. Packaging. Roasted coffee is uh, hydrophilic and get oxidized very well. So it's the worst possible damage that you can do is leave coffee at the air. First of all, what I didn't mention is that during roasting, not only you develop 1,000 aromatic compounds, or volatile compounds, it's one of the poss- richest possible product of our table, of our diet. Some of these are very volatile. Typically, uh, there are a couple of uh, those... Uh, uh, which, uh, which are gone uh, in a uh, few minutes. You leave a, a ground coffee on the air, four minutes later, it doesn't smell fresh anymore. And because of staling is a, is a consequence, first of all, of losing the aroma which are responsible of the freshness, and only after the uh, caused by oxidation of the remaining flavors, you need to lock all the flavors in order to preserve the aromas responsible for freshness. In addition, to lock, you need to prevent oxidation, which is due to oxygen and particularly humidity. Humidity is one of the worst enemy. This is the reason why uh, there are, I mean, different possible technology to uh, pack coffee. Uh, the most uh, popular are either you use a multiply package and you put a valve on it allowing the coffee to degas so the, it will release all the carbon dioxide generating during the roasting during the roasting each kilo of coffee generates up to 10 12 liters of carbon dioxide as a consequence of the pyrolytic uh, reactions so don't tell me that we have to pay uh, the credit for carbon because of coffee. Eh? But of course, if you leave, of course, the, the bean structure, as you have seen, is porous. It's a porous honeycomb uh, structure, which only slowly will allow the, this gas to flow out. It takes more, more than one month for the coffee to degas after the roasting, if you leave the gas inside. Unfortunately, with the carbon dioxide flowing out, you would uh, lose 
a large portion of the fresh and good flavors generated during roasting. So this is the reason why we don't believe in this uh, technology of the multiply pack with a valve, because it will prevent oxidation, so it will keep your coffee non-oxidized, but it will let all the gas into the air, impoverishing also the flavor. And you want the coffee, the flavors to be released only at the moment of the preparation of the cup. An alternative which is very, very widespread in terms of technology, mostly in Europe, a little bit less in North America, is the so-called BRICS. The same multiply packaging, which is usually a, a different layer, one layer is aluminum, and aluminum has a 100% barrier effect impeding oxygen exchange between the outside and the inside. But in case of these bricks, they are packaged under vacuum. So the vacuum allows you, of course, to remove all the oxygen, but in order to have this brick, which must remain a, a brick, a parallelipede shape, you must take the air away, the, the, the gas, away from the coffee before packaging. Otherwise, it will swell. And in this case, you need to package already degassed coffee. And this is a pity, because if you degas the coffee, again, you will uh, remove some flavors. Not only, you will not allow those flavors to fix in the inner cellular structure of the bean. This is the reason why the intuition of my grandfather about pressurization, which I was speaking about before, was great. Because pressurization, this is the tin we produce ourselves. We do have a department for producing this three kilo tin. Is not only, of course, tight pressure resistance. The exercise pressure of this tin is uh, uh, one and a half atmospheres, like a car tire. I mean, and the testing condition are six atmosphere. Okay, and it is filled of a nitrogen. So inert gas under pressure. The inertness of the gas prevents any possible oxidation. And the counter pressure into the, 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 the package uh, uh, forces the coffee which is imprisoned in the coffee beans to stay locked with a very positive effect because the majority of this flavor are lipophilic. That means, as you perfectly know, Unfortunately, the more fat you put butter or oil in your in your in your cooking, the more flavorful it is, and the same is true for coffee. Arabica coffee contains 16% of oils, so that means the, don't, don't worry, they don't pass in the cup, you don't get fat. <laughs> they are a powerful carrier for the aromas. So look at these pictures. On this side you have a typical, uh, mm, the orange color is the uh, uh, cellular structure of a roasted bean, and the, the, the yellow color are the oils. Look at here. This is a, the same coffee. This is a, a work I did myself, okay, with my electronic microscopy, no, a, a visible microscopy, sorry. The same coffee, non-pressurized, you see that the oils are spread and with holes, which is typical of some uh, kind of boiling effect, which is generated by the fast release, of the gassing of the uh, coffee from the bean to the outside. Look, the same condition for the pressurized coffee. You see that the oils, they are all spread on into the, the, the surface of the of the cell. Like put the butter on, 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 on your bread. And when you create a situation like this, you have the all the gas inside filled with uh, flavors, absorbing and also absorbing into the coffee oil. That means that then we will emulsify all these oils thanks to espresso, you will get much, much, much more flavor. Thanks to this, I hope you will be able to experience yourself, Illy Espresso has an aftertaste which lasts for at least half an hour after having enjoyed your cup, which doesn't happen for coffee which are not pressurized. Decaffeination for those who are interested. 
the caffeination is uh, basically for those who will, will enjoy the coffee experience without uh, willing to have any possible caffeine intake. There are three types of decaffeination in terms of technology. Either the uh, original, let's say, traditional solvent extraction, which is using uh, uh, dichloromethane mostly as a, a selective uh, solvent extracting specifically caffeine. It uh, uh, leaves you a very good quality, but with the disadvantage that it also removes the coffee waxes. waxes uh, these wax are extremely antioxidant and so are extremely helpful in uh, preserving the secondary shelf life once you open the coffee package. So the, the coffee becomes much more delicate in terms of uh, shelf life. There are no, no problem with the chloromethane as a solvent because it's extremely volatile and is gone before roasting. You can imagine with a solvent which evaporates at 104 uh, uh, Faradays, when you roast it at uh, how much it is? 800 uh, Faradays or something like this? how much you can get. There is no residue at all, and also there are legal, uh, let's say, specification, which uh, in any case would uh, uh, prevent any possible uh, uh, residues. More modern uh, technology for people who want uh, to have a totally natural process is the supercritical carbon dioxide extraction, very complex very difficult but natural I mean carbon dioxide acts at the supercritical point as a solvent it extracts selectively caffeine then the caffeine is absorbed on a, um, active uh, uh, carbon filters and then the active uh, carbon filters are washed with a solvent by the way and regenerated and the, the technology which is maybe less popular and which I really like the less is the water one, which consists in making a, a, a sort of uh, soup of a lot of components extracted by the, the coffee bean with a very hot water and a hot pressure. So it's really completely empty, the, the coffee structure, and then this kind of soup passes through... Acti uh, carbon activated filters or into solvents where the caffeine is uh, selectively removed and then this kind of soup without caffeine is reincorporated into the coffee bean. Because the total destruction of the uh, original chemical uh, composition of the coffee and, and structure, the taste doesn't, doesn't smell good. Okay, we are close to the cap. Transformation. Two main uh, type of transformation, infusion and percolation. Uh, percolation passes through. Infusion is the coffee uh, living with the with 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 water in the same uh, solution and, um, and extracting uh, basically through the uh, solubilization. Percolation, if uh, it is under pressure, like espresso, involves also stripping thanks to the mechanical uh, activity of the pressure. When we speak uh, about uh, espresso, um, it is interesting to note that um, the energy, the mechanical energy of the water pressure, nine atmosphere at least, allows the emulsion of the coffee oil, which I described being present into the coffee bean. And with the emulsion of the coffee oils, we will take, bring into the cup the flavors we were speaking about having been fixed. This is the reason why espresso is so rich in terms of aroma. And uh, not only espresso has another advantage that uh, it uses much uh, uh, colder water because uh, typically all the other preparation techniques use boiling uh, temperature water. 
espresso uh, uses uh, water which is uh, around uh, 190 uh, Celsius degrees. I don't remember the conversion now. Uh, that, that makes uh, espresso a kind of uh, multiphasic uh, product with at the same time an emulsion, as we have seen. It is at the same time a sus colloidal suspension of these tiny oil droplets which has been extracted, and it is at the same time a solution, of course. Espresso has a clear uh, standard, very, very strict. If you change the condition of preparation of espresso, you might completely destroy the quality. Um, the crema is one extremely important uh, element uh, which is part of the visual experience of enjoying uh, espresso. All Italian, they sometimes they even confuse the, the, um, determining the quality of the espresso upon the the cream only, so maybe they have a very lousy coffee, but the beautiful crema, and say this is beautiful. No, it is not. You have better try to to train your your taste buds. But the the crema is really important, okay. And uh, and of course uh, and of course the smell, which is really the number one uh, element. This is a description of the possible aromas that you can define. They also have a chemical name, one by one. And uh, so it spaces from uh, the floral, uh, fruity, as I said, uh, caramel, toast bread, etc. But also there are many possible defects which are either caused by uh, defective beans or uh, poor uh, genetic, uh, uh, let's say, origin of the plant or poor uh, uh, industrial or uh, preparation uh, technique. Thank you. To find out about all that's happening at the intersection of science and culture, visit our website at scienceandthecity.org.